0: I know we got a big game uh, coming up, you know, this afternoon. So I'll be short, um, but I, but I did realize it is this this evening, though, right? So I can take as long as I want. So, so we're good. But today we're going to look at a, a big event that brought both fear and joy. During tonight's Super Bowl, there's going to be feelings of joy when Tom Brady makes that first touchdown. I'm calling it now, and. <laughs> But, you know, there's going to be some fear, some sorrow, when on the second drive, he's going to lose a fumble. You know, I think this is how it's going to go. But um, we all know at the end of the game, there's going to be five seconds left, and Brady is going to throw the winning touchdown. But that's how it's going to go. I mean, there's going to be great, fit and great joy for most people, right? Or Maybe not. Trying to, all right, I know where you guys are at now. But years and years from now, I'll be hopefully a grandpa and one of my grandkids will run in. I'll put him up on my lap and I'll tell him about this historic game, the the COVID-19 Super Bowl when Tom Brady won. And I'll tell him about how he won the he threw the last touchdown and tell him all about the game and how all our friends were watching it from different places. <laughs> and he'll he'll look at me and he'll say, "Well, grandpa, um, some of my friends said, that's not how it happened. Some of my friends said, Tom Brady didn't do that. He actually lost the game. And everybody who said that he won, they just imagined it. Or that's how they wanted it to be. And so they, even some people hallucinated. That's how it happened. They're just making this up so that they would be benefited by their win. That would be really shocking for the, a grandkid to say, right? And. As the grandpa looked down, like, no, I was, I was there. I saw it on TV. We all talked about it years afterwards. I got the T-shirt. I got the hat. It really happened. Now that's, you know, a silly story. But something along similar lines happened when Jesus rose from the dead. Years and years later, people would say, well, that's not what really happened. The disciples just made it up. Some people even theorized that the disciples hallucinated. They all hallucinated the same thing, which obviously that doesn't even happen. And they said, well, the disciples made it up because they would benefit it from that in some way to make up Jesus's resurrection. But none of that's really true. The disciples didn't benefit materially um, from from this story, from Jesus's resurrection. So today we're going to look at uh, the big event of Jesus's resurrection in Matthew 28, 1 through 10. And I want us to say three things. The first, that Jesus' f- resurrection was both it was physical, a bodily resurrection. Number two, his resurrection brings fear and joy. And number three, we see how we can share in the joy that Jesus brings. So again, Matthew 28, 1 through 10. And the title of the sermon is Jesus is Risen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. Speak through me today. Help me be clear. Be with the people in the congregation, listening online. That you would give them hearts to understand and believe that you are God. That Jesus is God himself in the flesh. That he did really rise again. And how that can bring us great joy and change our lives forever. Be with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So i have three main reasons why I chose to preach this passage today. Um, The first being that I've studied the book of Matthew more than any other book so far in my studies. And um, the second being I've recently preached on the Great Commission in Matthew 28. So I just work backward from there and we'll look at the foundation for the Great Commission, which is Jesus' resurrection. And number three The reason I chose this passage is because I think it's really important to preach about Jesus' resurrection more than just on Easter Sunday, because as in 1 Corinthians 15, 14 says, If Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. So it is vital to our faith in Jesus to properly understand his resurrection. And I think to understand the significance of his resurrection... Let's zoom out from the story in Matthew 28 and look at how God presents his history in the Holy Scriptures. And as you read through the Old Testament, you'll see how Israel failed time and time again. The people of all the earth sinned, rebelled against God, worshipped idols. It's pretty bleak. It's pretty pretty sorrowful. And, but even in all that, um, there is a message of hope throughout the Old Testament. Hope that God will send someone to save his people. And not just someone, he'll, he will come himself. God himself will come to save his people from their sins. As Matthew one twenty one introduces Jesus when we get to the New Testament. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And throughout throughout Matthew, as you're reading, you'll see how Matthew is showing us how Jesus is really God and how he came to save us from our sins. We see him performing miracles. We see him teaching God's word with authority, obeying all of God's commands perfectly. He is the perfect man, fully God, fully man. So when Jesus dies and is buried for three days, there doesn't seem to be much hope. It seems that all is lost. God himself was supposed to come and save his people, but he died. So if you were a follower with him back then, you would have been really excited about all that Jesus was doing, all the miracles and teaching, but then he dies. Imagine how you would feel following, following this teacher, you, someone you thought was God himself. You worshipped him, and he dies. And he's, he's been buried for three days. You might have felt betrayed, lied to, or tricked. How could Jesus be the Son of God and die? Well, the story doesn't end with his death. The story doesn't end in Matthew 27 with Jesus in the tomb, but ends with him alive in Matthew 28. So while there are many proofs that Jesus is God himself in Matthew, his resurrection from the dead is the ultimate proof. Without his resurrection, all is lost. But with his resurrection, victory has begun. So now, when Jesus was on the cross, some of the people there mocked him, saying in Matthew 27, 40, If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. But, as one commentator points out, Jesus did not come down from the cross to show that he was the Son of God. He did something far greater. He came out of the tomb. And the commentator goes on to say, The one who was buried is now raised. The tomb that was sealed is now open. The stone that closed up the tomb is now rolled away. Those who helplessly watched as Jesus was crucified are buried and buried are filled with hope and joy once again. So let's dive in and really soak in God's word today, beginning in Matthew 28, verse 1. And it says, After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. So the setting is after the Sabbath. Jesus died on Friday before. The Sabbath is ending. So the Sabbath day is what we'd call Saturday today, Friday, Saturday. The Sabbath is the holy day that the Jewish people still recognize today as uh, the day when they do not work. They rest in the Lord. That was implemented in the Old Testament in the Ten Commandments. So Jesus was crucified. On Friday, Saturday is ending, Sabbath, after the Sabbath, and Sunday is dawning. Not only is a new calendar day beginning on this Sunday long ago, this is going to be a new day that will change world history forever. What's about to happen is Jesus, like the sun coming up at the horizon, will come up out of the grave. Jesus being raised on Sunday would inspire the early church to adopt Sunday as its day of worship. And so so central and so important in Jesus' resurrection to our faith, we celebrate it every Sunday we meet together. And I think beyond just on Sunday, we should celebrate Jesus' resurrection every day. And I think how we can do that, a good reminder, is every day that the sun comes up, remember how Jesus rose up on that Sunday long ago. And guess who will be the first to witness this history-altering event? Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. We see uh, that in 27.56 of Matthew. One commentator writes about the significance of women being the first to witness the resurrection. If the early church made up this account of the resurrection, the first witnesses to the resurrection would almost certainly have been respected men whose testimony was assumed to be credible. Not women whose testimony was automatically suspect in the ancient society. So God, in His grace, His kindness, His wisdom, chose those who are least in the world's eyes to be His messengers. Now, no matter how the world sees you, or how even you may see yourself sometimes, remember how God sees you. As a follower of Jesus, you are seen as a worthy ambassador to spread the good news of His kingdom. For Jesus is the risen King. And Jesus appoints two women disciples to be his first messengers. Which adds significantly to the credibility of this account that this really happened. This is not something that they just made up. And as we go on to verse 2, we see that there was a violent earthquake or a great earthquake as some translate it. Because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. So as they were approached the tomb there was a great earthquake or I like how the greek sounds a literally it's a megas earthquake or a mega earthquake. So from this earthquake we know from examples in the old testament that god is beginning to act. Now he was demonstrating his power. And if you remember there was an earthquake at Jesus' death to enact justice on the sin of humanity. God's power to defeat death and sin is now evident at Jesus' resurrection. One might expect for the risen Jesus to appear before them at this moment, but not yet. It is not Jesus they see, but first they see an angel who rolled back the great stone away from the tomb. And if you guys remember, there's, they set up a large uh, Roman guard unit to protect the tomb. And it just takes one angel, the power of God, to... Disable them, and for him to open up the tomb. Uh, one commentator writes that the guard unit was large enough to fend off at least twelve armed men. Now, this shows you the power of God. To just he 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 disables those those uh, guards with one of his messengers, an angel. And in verse three, we see what the angel looks like. It reads, "His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow." The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men." Notice here that the guards were shaken by fear. They were not shaken by the literal earth-shaking of the earthquake. And they were in contrast to Jesus, who was raised from the dead. The guards are now like dead men. Almost every time a human encounters an angel in in the Bible, we see that there's an element of fear. They come with God's power and authority. So in this case, the angel is said to have the appearance of lightning. So not only are they scary, but the angel's appearance depicts that he's acting for and with the power of God. And interestingly, we'll see that the angel gives no words of comfort to the Roman soldiers. But in verse 5, we see that he tells the women, Don't be afraid, because I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. So unlike the guards who were acting as Jesus's enemies, the women came to honor Jesus. Well, we learn in Luke's account in 24.1 that they were bringing spices and perfumes for his body. The angel encourages the women and tells them, do not be afraid. So why should they not be afraid? In verse 6, he is not here. Jesus is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. So the angel tells them that Jesus is not here, and again, as I was reading this account, I'm expecting to see Jesus, but it's not yet. So they first see the empty tomb where they place where Jesus was laid. And we also see here not only is it miraculous that Jesus was raised from the dead, he prophesied that this would happen. Matthew 20, in, yeah, Matthew 16:21, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. So while the women may have heard that Jesus' teaching, or the disciples told the women that, they did not fully understand this prediction, or they didn't grasp what he was saying, um, because as the angel said, they came to see the crucified Jesus. They didn't come to see the resurrected Jesus. So even though their faith was somewhat small, they did not abandon Jesus completely because they came to honor Him. But soon we'll see that their faith will be totally transformed by the proof that Jesus is resurrected. And so I came across this story to emphasize the significance and importance of the resurrection. While we emphasize the cross and Jesus' death, rightfully so, it's very important for our faith, Um, the resurrection is just is equally as important. And there was a man a long time ago in India. He found a couple scrapes of the Bible, some pages that were ripped out, and he started to read them. And he was convicted, and he wanted to follow this Jesus that he read about. And he wanted to know more. So he found this man who confessed to follow the Bible. And this man was not from India, but he was an English man. And he wore a black band on his arm. And the guy from India thought that the black band on his arm was a signifier that this man was a Christian, that he followed Jesus. So he wore this to show people that he's a Christian. That's not the case, and we'll see why in a second. So the Indian man put a black band on his arm as well and went around the town saying, Hey, I'm a Christian, I'm following Jesus, and look, I have the band to prove it. And so he, a couple, you know, a couple days later, he found a, a gathering of believers at a church, and he said hey, where, where are y'all's black bands? I have mine to show I'm a Christian. And he told them the story about the man that he saw. And they said, oh, well, he was wearing a black band on his arm because in his tradition, one of his good friends passed away. And so he was wearing that as a sign of he was in sorrow and in remembrance of his friend that passed away. It's not a, it wasn't a sign that he was a Christian or anything. Um, but the man thought about that for a second. He goes, well, I read about Jesus and he died, and he passed away, and we can, we can wear the band in remembrance and sorrow for him. And he didn't read the resurrection account yet. He didn't, read the, the, he didn't have that account. And so the people told him, well, we don't need to be in sorrow for Jesus' death. He rose again. And that totally transformed how he thought about it. And so we don't need just uh, to focus on the sorrow and um, the death of Jesus, but realize that he rose again, and we can be joyful as well, <clears throat> and so not only did Jesus prophesy death and resurrection, um, he prophesied in Matthew twenty six thirty two. He says, "After I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee," which is what the angel tells the women in twenty twenty eight seven. Angel says, "Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you." So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. So the women listened right away and quickly went to tell the news to the disciples. And we see how important and urgent this message was and still is today. How quick are you to believe this message of the resurrection? And how quick are you to share this message? Also notice that they went with fear and great joy. The women's fear is different from the guards' fear because it's not labeled as great. Now, if you remember, there was a Megas earthquake, a great earthquake, and the guards had a Megas fear, a great fear. And now we get to the women who do not have a great fear. They have a Megas joy, a great joy. Now, nevertheless, they still do have some sense of fear, Um, but their joy is greater. Now, why would the women be afraid at this point? And now, Matthew doesn't tell us exactly. But if you were in their situation, you could be afraid for a couple different reasons. One, you know that your life is about to change forever. Jesus is proof that he is God, and you are going to have to share this message with the whole world. And that's going to be somewhat of a new experience for you, and it's going to be somewhat, you're going to be somewhat fearful. Or you may be afraid that you're going to go tell his disciples that he's raised again, and they might not even believe you. So, um, But even in the fear, I think we see from the women that we still have fear today. We still can have a sense of fear, but let our joy be greater. Don't let our fear disable us. Don't let our fear cause us not to share this good news. So as a believer and follower of Christ, you can have great joy and confidence Because you know you serve the living God. Jesus who died for your sins was raised to life. Because of this joy from knowing and experiencing this good news, let us share our joy with others, even in the face of our fear. And we move on to verse 9. And I like how the New King James Version translates a particular word here we'll get into. And as they went to tell his disciples, Behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And so just when I least expect, Jesus appears before the women. He greets them and encourages them in their joy, saying, Rejoice. And this is the word, I think, that's best translated as rejoice. Some translate it as greetings, and that does make sense. Uh, But I think to get the nature of what's going on, we have the women's joy here. And I think Jesus is trying to encourage their joy. Yes, be joyful. You're right to have great joy. And also because this is the same word used elsewhere in Matthew just a couple chapters previously when Judas uses this same word rejoice or greetings when he betrays Jesus. In 2648 says his betrayer had given them a sign. The one I kiss he's the one arrest him. So immediately he went to Jesus and said rejoice rabbi and kissed him. Now that's he was mocking him. He knows he's not about to rejoice going to the cross. And also the soldiers mock him on the cross in 27:29, They twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and placed a staff in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and mocked him. Hail or rejoice, king of the Jews. They knew he wasn't rejoicing. He was, he was suffering. But despite all the mockings of rejoicing at his death, Jesus is now alive and he does bring joy. Notice the contrast of the description between the angel, we read about like lightning um, before, and white as snow. Matthew doesn't describe Jesus' description at all, which is kind of interesting, right? And so what, what I think was going on to here is good evidence that this, this has historically really happened. There wasn't anything majestic about Jesus' appearance. He was a man, fully man. What else <laughs> are you going to say about it? He, so he rose bodily from the grave. And I think this also shows Jesus' humility. He became fully man. And it also shows, specifically in our passage, that the women held his feet. They worshipped at his feet. The resurrection of Jesus was an actual historical event in which he had a physical risen body. He was not just risen spiritually or psychologically or metaphorically in our hearts. Matthew makes this point extremely clear. Not only that, but... Jesus is worthy of worship. The women bow down and worship Him, an act only reserved for God Himself. Jesus welcomes their worship. He does not turn them away. This verse provides good evidence that the earliest of His followers believed Jesus to be God. And the women understood that Jesus' resurrection confirmed His identity as God and worshiped. Will you today and every day henceforth bow the knee in worship To the one true King, Jesus. Rejoice, for the King is risen. Serve him only. Cast out any idols or any things in your life which you bow before. Even as believers, we are tempted to place things on the throne of our hearts that take the place of God. Pray and ask God to reveal those idols to you today, and that you would be resolved to worship Jesus alone. And we can help others, each other, do that as well. And I found a poem that hits on some key points about Jesus' resurrection being physical. And I thought it captures it very, very well. And it reads like this. Make no mistake, if he rose at all, it was as his body. The same hinged thumbs and toes, the same valved heart that pierced and died, withered, paused, and then regathered. Let us not mock God with metaphor, analogy, sidestepping transcendence, making of the event a parable, a sign painted in the faded, Credulity of early ages, let us walk through the door. The stone is rolled back, not paper mache, not a stone in a story, but the vast rock of materiality that in the slow grinding of time will eclipse for each of us the wide light of day. In our last verse today, 2810, Jesus told them again, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. He encourages them again not to be afraid, just as the angel did. And notice that Jesus calls his disciples brothers. As a disciple of Christ, you are brought into his family. Then despite, as, as one commentator will write, despite their shameful flight, despite the disciples fleeing away from Jesus during his arrest, trial, and crucifixion, Though the disciples had forsaken Jesus, he had not forsaken them. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're brought into his family. And again, take courage. Don't be afraid to share the good news of his resurrection. And at the end of the story, you look back over the short little narrative of the ten verses. I, I, I see that God works in mysterious ways or different ways than we expect. For instance, as I was reading this account, I kept expecting Jesus to appear but there's always a delay. First they met the angel, then the empty tomb, and then only after they're on their way to tell the disciples Jesus appears. Also notice how God uses messengers. He uses an angel. He uses the women to share his message. God works on his own timing, and he also works through human means. And the way that God works through his messengers reminds me of this silly story I read one time about a man who was shipwrecked on the sea, and he prayed for God to, to save him. And just while he was praying, a cruise ship came on by, and the captain of the cruise threw the, a life, uh, life jacket, life vest to him, and the man said, No thanks, Captain. I'm waiting on my God to save me. Well, the man ended up in heaven not too long later, and he asked God, Why didn't you save me? And God says... I sent the cruise ship for you. Why didn't you take it? So that's the story just to show, like, God could send people in our lives. And he uses human messengers to spread his message. And specifically today, we see God using his disciples to share his message. He might be using me today to share his message. You can share his message as well. So what is the significance of the the resurrection we know that it's historically true that it was his physical body, that it led to them worshiping him. It led to great joy. But we'll see a little, I'll just give you a little bit of what else the New Testament, specifically Paul, says about Jesus' resurrection. And one commentator writing almost 100 years ago writes it very well. He summarizes it this way The first community's joy of life is grounded exclusively in its view that the Christ, and can be summarized. By the one sentence, since he has risen, we will be with him. Through Jesus' resurrection, we are born anew to a living hope. This is a direct result of the Easter events. So we'll look to how Paul describes Jesus in a couple passages. And we can't get into all these today. Each passage could be a sermon uh, on its own. But Romans 4.25, Paul says, Jesus, he was delivered up for our trespasses. He was raised for our justification. And in Romans 6, 9, he says, "...because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again, death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its desires." And the last one in 1 Corinthians 15, starting in 54. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory, where death is your sting. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And there was a little boy and his father riding down a country road one day, and a bumblebee flew in through the window. And the little boy was terrified because he was deathly allergic to bees. Uh, so as, as they were driving, the father notices the bee and grabs it, squeezes it in his hand, then opens it, and the bee starts flying away, flying around. And the boy's scared again, he's like, and the father notices the boy's fear And shows him that he has the stinger in his hand. And tells the boy, you don't need to be afraid. I took the sting for you. Now Jesus took our sting. Took the sting of death. But unlike the father in the story, Jesus made a far greater sacrifice. He did not just experience a minor bee sting. But he drank the cup of wrath to the dregs and died. The story doesn't end in the tomb. But it ends in living joy. So the next time you wake up and see and feel the sun, praise the Lord for the new day and rejoice, because as sure as the sun will rise, Jesus is risen. Now, if you want to respond to this message of Jesus' resurrection, I urge you to believe this message with all your heart. If you have any questions, get into contact with somebody that you know who's a follower of Jesus. Get into contact with me. Uh, On social media, you can look up the information online. And so, don't let today go by without getting straight what you believe about Jesus and his resurrection. I urge you to believe today and follow him for the rest of your life.